Hey, I'm Stephen Hovatter, the lead minister at Central Church of Christ in Little Rock, Arkansas. Our goal as a church is to follow Jesus together. So we gather on Sunday mornings for Bible study at 9 a.m. and worship at 10, 15 a.m. And you'd always be welcome to join us. To learn more, go to arcentralchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon. We've been spending some time thinking about what it means to lean into longing. And as you came in this morning, uh, if you were here last week, you, you recognize that we have these uh, signs on the, on the wall that we put up last week. Um, if you were, weren't with us last week, these are we asked people to say, what is it that you're longing for? What is it that you hope for in, in maybe in this next year, or maybe in not until Jesus returns? But what is it that's a deep longing within your heart? And we had a space of time where we just filled these out and put them on the wall. And I, I know that each one of these, maybe the thing that you put up there represents your deepest and most heartfelt longing, but it certainly can't represent all of the longings that any of us have, right? All of us are, if we had time, I, I think I could probably fill out uh, just as many as are up here with, with just the things that are the longings within my own heart. I have not just one longing or two or three or not just enough that can fit on a you know 10 by 10 post-it note, but I have a world of swirling hopes and longings things that are um, maybe things that I'm reaching for now and things that I know can't be attained, attained until the return of Jesus. All those things are swirling up within me. Do you feel that? And hopefully part of what we've been doing as we have thought about this process is we're exploring within ourselves what are those things that are deep, longings within us. It's a good spiritual practice. It's good to have a time marked off, a, a season of the year marked off where we are thinking about not just the things that are just on the surface of our lives, but those things that are deeper, broader, maybe the things that we've even quit thinking about, but if we took a moment, we would recognize them as the deep longing song of our heart. If we can just let ourselves remember, we are often like icebergs that have just a little bit showing at the top, but so much more underneath the water and giving ourselves time to just recognize and see and think about what's really in the deeper wells, a good spiritual practice. I want us to have a deep sense of our longing. I want for myself to have a, a real um, understanding of the depths of what longing and anticipation, what that old Christian word hope really means within myself. But today, I, I don't want to just talk about the depths of that longing. I want us to think about what it means to lean into a broader longing. It was really a two-part exercise. One of the parts was to write down the things that you recognize within yourself. But the second part is to see the things that you might recognize within the other people in this room, right? And to recognize that just like you have 
a deep longing. So do uh, the brothers and sisters who gather with you in this place, right? And not only are we sometimes unaware of the depths of our own longing, but we are certainly too often blind to the depths of longing with the people with whom we share community. And part of what it means to grow closer to each other in community is to really begin to, first of all, see each other's deep longing and then also be able to join in each other's longing. It's one thing when I hear you say, this is the thing that my heart wants more than anything else. It's another thing to fill my own heart, begin to want it right along with you, to begin to really dream with you and hope with you and anticipate with you those things being made right. It's a beautiful thing, right? It's a beautiful thing for us to understand what it means to have not just the longings of our own heart, but to consider what the longings are of the other people with whom we share community. So today I want us to think about that on a couple of levels and let's move out a little bit. What we've done here is to think about what it means to share longing for our family, for our church family. We use that language of brothers and sisters and that's what we are, right? We have been joined together into a tighter community than we earlier understood ourselves to be. We share a table meal. We share a table meal. Maybe we need to move a big freezer, you know, so that some folks can stand over the side and take that meal. We share a table meal with each other. But, and part of that is because we are recognizing that each of us has a place at the, it's a big old table. And we, each of us has a place at that table. When we share time at the table together, part of that needs to be space where we speak into each other's deep longings and where we hear that from each other. And I know that we have those spaces. I know that there are places here in our, in our church at Central where those things are happening. Sometimes it happens in our class settings, and I, I love the way that our classes get together, and sometimes that most important space, you ever had a class where you barely got out of the prayer request time at the beginning? Ever had a class like that? Because somebody just had something that they needed to talk about, and when it came up, well, we'll, we'll get to you know, Luke chapter three next week. Because sometimes we just need to speak to those things that are going on in each other's lives. I think about um, my, my little group of, uh, of uh, 1823s, The Mix, okay? Uh, and our, our group, man, some of, one of the most powerful things that's been happening in our, our group as we've met, mostly in the evenings, is to hear my, my brothers and sisters speak to each other about where they're at in life and the things that they really, really dream for and hope for things that they're like holding on to. And I, I know those kids better than I did a couple of months ago. And the reason I know those kids better is because we're able to speak. And, and not just they're not just telling me theirs, but they're able to hear mine and hear the things that I'm longing for. We usually have a little time of blessing each other in, in the light of those longings. And it's beautiful, right? Last night, uh, Hovatters went over to the Dutile's house. Scott and I went into their, what do you call that, warehouse, that garage, okay. Um, they have a ping pong table. We went through the world's longest ping pong warm-up. Started playing, knocking the ball back and forth to each other. Never really got to the part. I don't, we should have kept score at some point, you know. I totally would have had you. Um, 
don't know how long we were in there. A couple of hours. You know? Like legit, a couple of hours, you know. And um, never got around to starting the game, just knocking the ball back and forth. Just talk about life. Talk about life. Things that were the real stuff, right? I'm glad that we have small groups, both the ones that are kind of generationally based and the ones that are geography based. I've heard some stories from some of those groups that, man, they may not always necessarily see eye to eye on things. They may even have some things that they think differently about, about you know, whatever. I, ho- I hope that some of that happens, right? But there's also a space where some of us that may not know each other as well as we know other people have a chance to share some of the things that are the deep longings of who we are. In all those processes, we're thinking about what it means to lean into the longings of our brothers and sisters, the longings of our family. I mean, didn't you feel that when Mary Joy was talking this morning? I mean, she didn't have to name the thing that she's saying that she was longing for. But just talking about how it's a mixture of joy and heartbreak, didn't you feel your heart going to her? My friends, that's what church is. It's that space where we understand and see and love each other in such depth that we become aware of those deep places of brokenness and longing and hope and hurting and we reach out to each other with our hearts. Part of the first step I think that Jesus draws us into as we follow Jesus together is that Jesus teaches us to see each other and to hear each other and to really deeply love each other. And as we do that, as we're drawn together into family, we start leaning into the longings that each other have. Not only do we do that, though, we also have a sense of longing for our neighbors. So if we step out, if we broaden that circle just a little bit further, we come to find out that it's not just those people that we already identify as our brothers and our sisters that have deep longings and we can have empathy and and, and love for them in those spaces. But if we're about the work of mission in the name of God in this city, we'll find that there are other people who we come into contact with and we start seeing the things that they deeply long for too, right? Hasn't that been part of the process of some of the Adopt-A-Block stuff? Like coming to understand some of the deep needs and longings of some of our neighbors just a few blocks away? Isn't that part of what it means for you to understand the place in which you live and your coworkers and your neighbors? And when you start thinking about them through the eyes of Jesus, with the eyes of Jesus, and you start really seeing them and the things that are their deep longings, those can become your longings too. Those can be woven into your heart just in the same way with the same depth of empathy and love as the kinds of things that you see in the family here. This morning, um, so all these, Mary Joy's right, these things did fall off the wall. Um, we had, to, we had a, Blue Cross was here using our building as a, uh, for some training stuff this week and so we had to take them all down anyway. So um, we, I had to, had to take these and tape them back up Yours is not where you put it last week. If you try to find it, you're going to be really confused. I don't even remember longing for that. Right? 
I did that just so that you would long for your brothers. No, no. Um, we were, Deacon and I were walking. We had this big stack of these papers. It, I mean, and half of them have tape on them. They're sticky. It's just kind of a mess of papers, right? Big old basket of things. And one of them um, blew out of the basket as Deacon was walk, as he was carrying. He was walking through. It wasn't his fault, but he was walking. And one of them blew off, didn't it? And, it's, and it started to go it started to go down 6th Street. It was, about to, it was going to be at the fire department um, in just a couple of minutes. Started blowing like a little tumbleweed, a little green tumbleweed. It made me think that the hopes and dreams of our city are surely blowing around this place already. It would like, look like a terrible litter storm if we could see them all. Imagine the tumbleweeds of hope that are rolling around this place all the time. The hopes and dreams, the longings of a city that knows things aren't as they should be, and yet somehow holds on to some deep hopes. May we be a church that can learn to see that that can learn to see what it really means to live not just as a place of light in the middle of our city, but live in a place that is surrounded by deep longings. Neighbors is a broad word, of course. And it can mean the people that live within a block or two or 10 or in the suburbs. Or the next city over, or the next state over, or the next country over. Sometimes longing for our neighbors is not just about the immediacy of the neighborhood. Sometimes it's about understanding and perceiving that even people who live on the other side of the globe are our neighbors in Jesus, right? And in our calling to love our neighbors as we love ourselves, surely Jesus is calling us to develop a longing, not just that is defined by immediacy. What does it mean to share a longing for our neighbors that live in Peru, who this week have faced terrible political instability? Last week, we've had the, the Bills family here. What does it mean to share the longings that their neighbors, that our somehow neighbors in Accra, Ghana, have week in and week out? What does that look like? What does it mean to have a, a sense of our, what our neighbors in the Ukraine or in Russia or our neighbors in China Annie Dillard, one of my favorite writers, she wrote in a book called uh, For the Time Being, this paragraph, it says, there are 1,198,500,000 people alive now in China. To get a feel for what that means, simply take yourself in all your singularity, importance, complexity, and love, and multiply that by 1,198,500,000. See, nothing to it. Last month, the world hit a population milestone, eight 
billion people. Eight billion people alive in our world. Like I said at the beginning, we are all aware of the depth and the complexity of all the things that are our longings. Imagine what that would look like if it wasn't just our longing for ourselves or even for our church family or even just our immediate neighbors. Imagine what it feels like to somehow hold the hopes and longings of eight billion souls. Who can be up to some of such a task? And not only that, of course, not only if we talk about them with the language of neighbors, but Jesus dares us to think about what it means to not just love our neighbors, but to love our enemies. So what does it mean to broaden our sense of longing to those that we aren't really ready to call our neighbors yet and we still think of as our enemies? What does it mean to lean into longing for our enemies? He says, pray for those who persecute you. Pray for them. What do you pray? I pray that they will stop persecuting me would be one of the things, right? But what if I could take that person that's my enemy, who I see as being on the other side of a fence, whatever that fence might look like, and I allow myself to come before God and to say, oh God, You know the deepest longings of their hearts. You know the things that they truly need. May it be so for them. I mean, what else can it mean to show love for our enemies and to show love or to to pray for those who persecute us, except for to hold them before God as people who, like us, share a complexity of longings. And sometimes our needs may be in conflict, and that might draw us into a place where we we have, um, you know, all kinds of nasty stuff in the world. But isn't the deepest longing of our heart not just to defeat our enemies, but for somehow to just not know them as enemies anymore? At the end of it, it's about learning to develop a longing for the whole world, not just a longing for what I hope and what I need and for my sense of what I'm anticipating coming, but a longing that holds the whole of the world in its hands, in its heart. Today, the text that I want to read to you is from Isaiah chapter 35. And uh, Isaiah, the prophet, says this, The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom. Uh, Like the crocus, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given given to it, and the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God, Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are of a fearful heart, be strong, do not fear. Here is your God. He will come with vengeance and with terrible recompense, and he will come and save you. And the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. And the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue for the speechless shall sing for joy. For water 
shall break forth in the wilderness, streams in the desert. Burning sand shall become like a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. The haunt of jackals shall become like a swamp and the grass shall become reeds and rushes. A highway shall be there and it shall be called the holy way. The unclean shall not travel on it, but it shall be for God's people. No traveler, not even fools, shall go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast, ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there, and the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, and everlasting joy shall be on their heads, and they shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow, and, and sorrow and sighing shall fade away, shall flee away. It's one of those soaring passages where Isaiah has a lot to say about people who are anticipating some kind of dramatic reversal, some kind of end to the things that make them miserable. The blind, the deaf, lame, those who cannot speak. Jesus talks about uh, hoping for prisoners to know freedom, right? There's a space for us to understand a broader, I mean, Isaiah isn't saying this because he is all these things. He's not blind and deaf and he, he, doesn't, he, he doesn't have an inability to speak. He's not lame. He's thinking about other people in the community. In other places where he talks about what it means for the nations to come to the city of God and for violence to end in the world so that nations can know peace. Isaiah knows what it means for those nations to be his enemies. This very chapter that we're reading right here is the chapter before Isaiah will have to face the great invasion of the Assyrians in their land. It's like a, there's a terrible thing happening. This imperial power has all but swallowed up Judah. And yet he can say, someday the vision of God is that all of the nations will come here. Now, they're coming there right now, in a sense. He imagines the nations coming not to Jerusalem for violence, but coming for worship. To come to learn and understand the way of the Lord. Isaiah, who had himself had a vision of God's glory, a vision of God's presence, mind-blowing presence. Once he had seen a vision of God, his vision of what God was at work doing in the world could no longer be limited to his own interest or to the interest of just his city or just his nation. Isaiah was consumed with a broader longing. A hymn that we sing this time of year. Joy to the world, right? And we weren't going to sing this verse, but I think we are now. <laughs> no more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow. What? Come on. Far as the curse is found. The hymn invites us into a broad longing. 
So that sorrow and brokenness and pain and suffering that now are so widespread along the world would no longer be found. And wherever the world seems to be cursed, all that would be reversed and it would be blessing instead. And don't you long to see it. Earlier I said, who, who can hold eight billion longings and hopes and all that complexity in their heart? And you know who. Ultimately, we're talking about longing with the heart of Jesus. Allowing ourselves to receive the truth that we will never expand our heart to encompass any longings and hopes that aren't already present in the heart of Jesus. Every neighbor that I might dare to hope for, Jesus already holds them in hope. Every enemy that I might hope for, Jesus holds them in hope. The longing that I'm asking us to lean into is not just the longings for our own sake, but I'm asking us to lean into the longings of the heart of Jesus and to think about what it means to share his hope and his vision for not just what the world can be, but what it will be. I guess the discipline then, if we're coming to long with the heart of Jesus, to open ourselves to what it is that Jesus longs for. I'm longing with the heart of Jesus because I want to long for the heart of Jesus. I want to create and cultivate an awareness of myself that understands the limitations of my love and the, the limitations of my own empathy and my, the limitations of what I understand about the world. And I want to crave a vision for the world like Jesus has. I want to learn. I want to learn what it means to have the same heart of Jesus that drove him to the cross. I want it to drive my life. I want it to drive our life as a church, that we central, that we're looking out for each other, we're learning to each other's longings, we're learning for the longings of our neighbors, we're learning even for the longings of our enemies, for the whole world, but ultimately we are reaching towards the heart of Jesus. Isn't that what it means to follow Jesus together? That we allow him to sculpt and transform our hearts so that if we may dare, they will hold his longings, which are broader than we could imagine. Today, we're gonna, I got two pieces of an invitation for you. The first one is um, very straightforward, very simple. Today, um, you, you may know, you may or may, or may not be aware, our uh, elders and staff meet once a month as a, as a whole group. And we usually have some kind of time of prayer in that space. I mean, that's an important part of uh, the, the vocation of our elders, okay? 
Um, so we'll have time today where we're just going to pray for the church, okay? And if you have something today that you would like our shepherds to be prayerful for you about, okay? I want to ask our, our shepherds, shepherds, can you guys stand up wherever you're at? I know they're kind of scattered all around the space. We need a shepherd to start sitting over here. Um, <laughs> you guys look, everybody look. You guys know these guys, shepherds? Every once in a while they come up, they make announcements, and that's not all they do, okay? <laughs> Today they're gonna pray for you. That's something that regularly happens, okay? If you have a deep longing in your own heart, share that with them. We just kind of wanna normalize that, okay? So that if you have something that you're not, you're just sort of wrestling with, man, share that with one of our shepherds. They would love to pray for you about that. Okay, and if you've been thinking about this today and it's kind of sparked you to think about um, something in your own life that's a deep longing, and maybe it's not something that you wanted to put on the wall, um, but you would, you would like for them to pray for it or even to, to pray for it in confidence, you know, um, where, where they're not gonna share that broadly, then man, just, you're, you're, you can tell them that, right? You can say, hey, look, I don't, I don't really want this going around, but I, I, I want somebody to be praying for me about it. They would love to do that for you. But the second part, the second part of the invitation today, if you've been in this space where you've been thinking about what it means to be part of Jesus's life and Jesus's world, and you've noticed this very thing that I've got on the board right now, you've noticed within yourself a longing for the heart of Jesus. And that may be bewildering to you. You may, you may just like, I don't even know what that necessarily means. But if you're in that space where you are longing to make a change and to make a different step and to really become part of Jesus's world, where you're ready to say, I'm, I want to be a Christian. I want to be a Jesus follower. I want to let him Take all of those things about his own heart and I want to give him the space to start making my heart like him. We have, you know, things that, that we do. We would, we would love to talk to you about baptism, about what it means to join, the, to, to be a part of the church and all that. We would love for you to come and say, I'm ready to give my life completely to Jesus. My friends, he has such a powerful love and deep longing for you. If we only knew, right? I mean, all the things, you know, if I took all the things that I put on my, that, that were in the depths of my heart and I said it could just fill up these walls with, with just the things that were inside me, and you know what? That wouldn't even touch the things that Jesus holds in his heart for me. It wouldn't even begin to approach the level of love and hope that Jesus has in his heart for you. And if we had a faint imagination of the depth of the raging power of the love of God that is the truest thing for you, the truest thing for me, the truest thing for each one of us is the power of the love of Jesus for us. And if you're starting to find that that goes both ways, 
starting to understand that Jesus longs for you and that you're starting to long for him too. Today, this invitation is for you.